0: Hello
1: everyone and welcome to the Friday, February 19th, 2021 edition of On Iowa Politics. This week on the podcast, proposed changes to Iowa's elections are ripping through the Iowa legislature. Chuck Grassley has a primary opponent, assuming Chuck runs again. And the latest on the ongoing assault on Iowa's first-in-the-nation caucuses. Hello everybody, I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for Lee Enterprises. With me today are Amy Rivers of the Waterloo-Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy.
0: Good morning, Aaron.
1: And Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. As a reminder, you can subscribe to the On Iowa Politics on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. First up this week, if it was an NFL draft prospect, it would be a cinch first rounder because it's big and it's fast. I'm talking, of course, about a new and sweeping elections bill moving through the Iowa legislature. The bill would, among other things, make the state's early voting time frame one of the shortest in the country, ban anyone other than the individual voter, voter from returning his or her absentee ballot, constrain county elections officials' ability to add drop boxes for completed absentee ballots or establish satellite early voting locations, creates stronger punishments for county elections field officials that violate state election law and more. Clearly, there's a lot going on in this bill, which makes one, one wonder why it's being advanced so quickly. The legislation was first made public on Tuesday evening and by Thursday evening, just 48 hours later, it had passed through subcommittee and committee hearings in both chambers and it's scheduled for a public hearing and house floor debate by Wednesday. It's not inconceivable that this bill could go from introduction to state law in little more than a week. Hey, who says the gears of government grind slowly? <laughs> right. Todd, setting aside the contents of this bill, we'll get to that later. Should something this significant be moving this quickly through the legislative process? Well, no, uh, it shouldn't. It's, it's a co- you know, it's a complicated
2: bill. It's a uh, it's got a lot of moving parts. It, it makes a lot of big changes, and you know that's the sort of thing that should be deliberated over more than a week. <clears throat> Excuse me. Although we've seen, <clears throat> we've seen this legislature, at least the Republican-controlled legislature, do this before. I think it took them less than ten days to get rid of collective bargaining for public employees. So uh, they've moved fast before. Uh, yeah, it's you know it also. Tells you that you know they know what they're doing is is not popular because they don't want to <laughs> take time to to listen to all the opponents of it. I don't. There are very few groups that are in favor of this, from what I've what I've gathered. Uh, especially, you know, the public comments are against that The subcommittee meetings have been dominated by people who say these are bad ideas. Uh, so I think they just want to get get it done as quickly as possible. And the complicating factor this time that didn't wasn't around with collective bargaining is that you've got a, a, a COVID pandemic where people don't want to go to the state house where Republicans have decided that they're not going to take very many precautions. And so, you know, people don't want to get sick, but they but they want to weigh in and, you know, a thirty minute online subcommittee isn't exactly and online comments aren't exactly the, you know, high impact way to, to weigh in on a piece of legislation. So it's, you know, it's fast, too fast in any circumstances, but with the pandemic, it it just exacerbates the, you know, inability of people to try to have some impact on the process.
1: Yeah, I, I can't help, you raise a really good point there. I can't help but think about, you know, so many legislators go back to their districts and over the weekend have events where they, um, you know, have to address whether it's interest groups or business groups or, or just general public forums. And I know a lot of those are be doing virtually these days, but, but I know a lot of them are still doing them and and where they get grilled on what they're working on at the state house. And, you know, I can't help, but wonder if they want to minimize the conversation on this bill to just this one weekend, you know, that it'll be done by next week and they won't have to answer questions about it before it's hard to, um, you know, ignore the, the pace at which this is, Moving and as you said, Todd, especially given how significant. I mean, there's some really, really big changes in this bill. Um, Amy um, there has a lot of the county auditors, the local elections officials have weighed in on this. They're they're pretty um, uh, widespread in their opposition to this. Has, has Blackhawk County or any uh, other folks there in the Cedar Valley uh, weighed in on this legislation that you've heard?
0: I haven't talked to the auditor and I haven't seen that he's uh, posted anything, but I did see from our um, Democratic contingent here in Blackhawk County, it's, it's, it's all Democrats that, that represent um, Black Hawk County here. And obviously they're, they're pretty against this. Ross Smith said um, yesterday, um, interesting that the same folks that were elected via this process want to torpedo it to stay in power and criminal charges for auditors that seek to empower the voices of Iowans. I wonder what would happen if auditors in all 99 counties decided not to comply. And Bob Kressig, I mean, similarly, you know, was saying the Republicans plan to fast track a new voter suppression bill. Um, So I mean, they're really coming out pretty strongly against this and and using a lot of language that you might have seen, you know, even as far back as, you know, a few decades ago, when you're talking about voter suppression. So they're trying to to rally the troops and get people against it. Um, I think, yeah, the fast track itself is really an issue because if you don't put the word out there and, and get people to send those letters, like Democrats say has been working with the school voucher bill to delay that, then if there's no widespread, you know, letter writing campaign, comment and campaign as Todd was talking to, that sort of makes it seem like there is that mandate out there.
1: Um, and that Republicans would feel good about passing something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Todd, let's circle back to you. Amy mentioned there that Democrats say this will suppress votes. Republicans disagree with that, and they say that they acknowledge Iowa had successful elections, um, but this is a way to ensure that those elections continue to operate well into the future. What's what's your take on this bill?
2: Well, I I think you know, it's going to make it far more difficult for Iowans to vote absentee. I mean, you're going to shut the window down to 18 days, which is going to, and you're also uh, not allowing, excuse me, you're not allowing auditors to, you know, set up satellite voting stations unless, you know, voters petition for them. Uh, So you're going to see long lines at the auditor's office for people trying to vote early. Uh, This idea that you can't, that the auditors can't send out you know, absentee voter request forms is going to, you know, make it more difficult uh, for people who don't have a printer to print out a form or who can't go to the auditor's office to, to pick one up. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a weird bill in that, I mean, Republicans just won basically everything. I mean, Trump won the state. They increased their legislative
1: majority. Uh, yeah. yeah they, I, I'm know, sorry to jump in. They, 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 they uh, expand on that because um, one of the things that Republicans always said about when they asked if we we would ask if they would change redistricting laws is one of the things they would say is why would we change the rules to a game that we're winning? So that's kind of this the question here. Why, why is yeah. that? Why, why are Republicans doing this win as you just noted? They've been very successful in these last few elections in Iowa. Well, number
2: one, uh, you know, Democrats still tend to vote more Democrats tend to vote early than Republicans, and so they figure that they can, you know, if they if they can hold down, you know, curtail the number of absentee ballots, then that is an advantage for them. But number two, they, you know, as we heard Jason Schultz in the in the subcommittee meeting this week, they they believe that you know the the, the big lie. They they believe that the the election was the 2020 presidential election was fraudulent. And so this is their way of pounding that home, even though it's not true. I mean, they're just, they're going to go ahead with it anyway. And, you know, and they're also uh, punishing the auditors in Johnson and Lynn and Woodbury County that had the audacity to try to send filled out absentee ballot request forms to their constituents. So, So there's some axe grinding, there's some big lie perpetuating, and there's some thought that this could give them some some political advantage e- even more than what they already have. So, I mean, that, that, that's, I think that's part of the motivation. And if you ask the governor what she thinks about it, she'll say, well, I I, I don't comment on bills until after I've, they've sent them to me. <laughs> so, but I would imagine she would probably glad, gladly sign this ahead of her 2022 reelection campaign or campaign for something.
1: Yeah. I, I did manage to ask her about the early voting uh, window part of it uh, during one of her press conferences and her answer didn't mm-hmm. seem to give any indication that she had um, at least enough issue with it that she wouldn't sign the bill. So it, it looks like if it makes it to her desk, it, it'll, it'll become law. All right. Well, you uh, hate to move on because this might be our only chance to talk about that bill on the podcast, but if it's still live round, maybe we'll touch on it again next week. Uh, but uh, also wanted to talk about uh, um a state senator who's looking to move on up in the world. One Iowa Republican is looking to go from Iowa senator to U.S. senator. Of course, you could debate whether that is a move up, I suppose, depending on your perspective. But Jim Carlin, a Republican state senator from Sioux City this week, announced his intention to run for Iowa's U.S. Senate seat. That means that Carlin would face longtime U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley in the Republican primary, assuming that Grassley decides to run for election. Grassley said again this week that he'll make his decision uh, in the coming months. He's not in a hurry to, to make that decision. Um, it's an interesting announcement by Carlin for that fact. Amy, does does Jim Carlin know something that we don't? Do you take this as a signal that Chuck Grassley is not going to run? Does does does, does Chuck does Jim Carlin think he won't have to go through Chuck Grassley or does he not care?
0: I, I think maybe... Harlan's just hedging his bet that Grassley is going to sort of come to that conclusion. Um, obviously Grassley is hugely popular in the state um, and has been in office longer than most of us have been alive. Um, is that, is that right, Todd? I'm just kidding. But
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's been in politics longer than I've been alive. So,
0: yeah. So, I mean, and, and he's, he's pretty, I mean, we're talking like, you know, 60%, you know, of the vote type of, Popular, so Carlin really, I think, is probably, and you're going to touch on this, I'm sure, Todd, probably intending to run as the Trump candidate. Um, not that Grassley is um, a never Trumper, but but Grassley is definitely more moderate, I think, than you you would see from a lot of the the Trump leaning state senator or federal senators from from more conservative states. So I think that's probably his tack. Um, but I, I really do think that maybe he thinks even if. Grassley's not saying right now what his decision is. He's definitely at an age in his in his late 80s where honestly, things can change quickly for a person at that age. And and he could very well decide sort of last minute. And then Carlin has positioned himself, you know, to basically be the, the standard bearer.
1: Yeah. So, so Todd, to Amy's point, uh, this year at the Iowa Capitol, Carlin has supported one bill that would allow um, employers to it would ban employers from requiring their employees to be vaccinated. Another that would require transgender people to use the bathroom that matches their gender on their birth certificate. He spoke on the Senate floor about uh, social media companies, um, and I'm air quoting here, restricting former President Trump's First Amendment rights. In his campaign announcement, he uh, called the federal tax code an abomination and the uh, to your point earlier, perpetuated the, uh, so what's become known as the big lie, the unfounded and widely debunked claims of widespread election fraud. So so Todd, is is Todd, Car- is Jim Carlin lining himself up to, as Amy said, run to the right of Chuck Grassley?
2: Well, it, it sounds like he's going to try. I mean, I, I'm, I, you know, I think probably the two ways this will go is that, you know, Grassley will announce he's running again and and Jim Carlin will sort of slide stage left and probably not file for candidacy or he'll file for candidacy, Grassley doesn't run, and then he'll be an also ran in a field full of much bigger names. Mm -hmm. So I mean, you know, this is this is a you know, he he's trying to do what candidates in a lot of states have done and, and basically run on the Trump platform. And that's been successful for a lot of candidates. So I can understand why he's doing it. But I don't know if uh a state senator that a lot of people haven't heard of until, well, maybe still haven't heard of, <laughs> is going to be, you know, the nominee for U.S. Senate in a seat that hasn't been open since, you know, 1980, 81. I mean, regardless
1: of what Chuck Grassley does, right? Because if, if Chuck Grassley stays in it, obviously, that's a near impossible feat to beat him in a primary. And if he doesn't, to your point, there's going to be so many more candidates come out of the woodwork, and it's hard to believe that many of them won't have a much higher profile than Jim Carlin.
2: Well, and then Grassley, I think has done a lot of work tacking right, probably over the last, you know, 10 to 12 years. Uh, You know, I think he was once considered a moderate, but he's gotten pretty conservative. And I think, I think one of the big reasons is he's hoped to avoid a primary uh, because people have threatened before to primary him at times. Uh, I think, If I had to trace it back to a single moment where he started to tack right, it was probably during the Obamacare debate where he came out and said that the bill would pull the plug on grandma. And I think a lot of people were sort of, well, you know, before that, he had been part of a bipartisan group that was trying to work on a a health coverage plan. So when he pulled the plug on, when he did the pull the plug on grandma, he sort of also pulled the plug on on the bipartisan negotiations at that time. And we got a bill that was only approved by Democrats. So uh and since then, you know, the the pipe the partisan chasm has really only deepened. It's now, you know, the Marianas Trench. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> nearing the core of the earth, I think, is where where it's where it's headed. <laughs> All
1: right. We will obviously have uh more time and more podcasts to see who else uh joins that race finally this week we wrap up with the iowa caucuses which are under so much heat these days that it's starting to feel like the scorching nevada desert (laughs) Coincidentally, uh nevada legislators this week introduced legislation that would move that state's caucuses to the front of the line for the 2024 presidential election cycle now of course that in itself doesn't mean a whole lot because iowa and new hampshire both have similar state laws that would just move their contests ahead of nevada Legally, really all the Nevada bill would do is start a game of uh, who can begin the calendar even earlier leapfrog, but it does underscore the pressure that is being put on Iowa this time around, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, this is just another example of that, and, and it's also noteworthy that Nevada and former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid is uh, backing the push to bump Nevada to the front of the line, and, and that's someone who has, still has um, you know, some say in, in, in party is still a figure in party politics uh amy uh, this week at an event chuck grassley said he's still betting iowa remains first uh are you are you taking that bet
0: well i'm gonna hedge i bet iowa republicans will remain first right and and we've never seen this but they could easily split um their caucuses um if democrats are very much against it and obviously everybody read perez's comments um and We've obviously seen this before, but if enough factors come together and that might be the case this year where they would move it, I would bet that Republicans try to keep their own caucus being first. I think that's a real advantage, especially um, in a year when you're going to expect to see more Democrats, obviously, than or more more Republicans than Democrats in the field. So, yeah, that would be very interesting if, if the parties split that way. I don't believe that's happened before, has it, Todd?
1: Not since the no. very, very early days of, of the caucuses, not not since they became an actual thing. Um, Todd, to, to, to Amy's point, uh, Iowa has faced challenges like this before, and we've heard that uh, from bipartisan places here in Iowa, both Chuck Grassley and Rosh Wilburn, the new Democratic State Party chair. Have essentially said, "Look, we've gone through this before." And I was Remain first. Is this more of the same, Todd, or does this dog have a little more bite? Well, it, 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 in a way,
2: it's more of the same. Although the caucuses last year were a debacle, and that certainly yeah. plays into this. Uh, you know, I the, the the question is always what you know. You you everybody wants to change it, but what do you change it to? And then right. then you mm. you get you don't get a lot of clear answers. Uh, I, but, but Amy's right. I mean, if you see the uh, the Democrat-Republican caucus alliance split, then that's I think Democrats are going to come out on the losing end. And we're also, I'm betting we're also going to see the long-term New Hampshire-Iowa alliance split where everybody just kind of fends for themselves. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. I think there is a threat, especially on the Democratic side. And, you know, the party may decide they don't want caucuses at all, which then you've got a situation where the Democrats, you know, maybe we try to do a primary and that's that's going to, you know, obviously cause reactions from New Hampshire and others. And so, you know, maybe we'll Mm -hmm. be voting on, you know, Christmas Day or something like that. But if they keep pushing it earlier and earlier, Thanksgiving (laughs) primary. So...
1: Yeah I think to that point I, I saw someone said this week that um they understand what Nevada's doing but they but they why Nevada's doing it but they wonder if Nevada really knows what they're up against and and they said that you know uh Bill Gardner up in New Hampshire he'll hold the the, the primary in July 4th the year before if they have to. Stay yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, Yeah, I read that too. <laughs> so it'll be it's such it's such a, just an interesting thing cuz you get into state laws and and the party rules, and it's just this weird mix yeah. of uh, rules and laws and all these myriad factors, and it's going to be a lot. Well, SEC and the, part-
2: the party has never been willing to really crack the whip on this. I mean, you know, they can they could come in and say this is how we're going to do it, and if you don't do it this way, we're not going to seat your delegates. I mean, that's right. I mean, they have mm-hmm. sticks mm-hmm. and carrots, but they, you know, over the years they've just sort of stood by and
1: let it work itself out but that that and, may change and and then there's the argument uh, the suggestion to that that even if they do that iowa could say well fine don't we're still gonna hold some kind of caucus or contest first and basically even if we don't get delegates out of it we think the candidates will still show up it's it's just a fascinating thing that's going maybe on we should, yeah, yeah, maybe we should maybe we should just have a summer
2: straw poll you know, it was warm. There was barbecue. It was fine. You know, just do that. Yeah. We I like it. It'll
1: be, it'll be interesting. Um, <clears throat> this is getting into opinion territory, which I hesitate. But I, I di- I've always liked the idea of um, taking the four early states and, and running them on the same day. And I know there's reasons why that would be hard and why the different states might not be open to that. But, but I kind of like that as a compromise solution. I wonder if there's anything. To that, uh, you know, from the big picture, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but is that I like impossible? that too because it gives know. you
0: each region. You know, you've got the West and the Midwest right. and the South and the Northeast.
1: It answers a lot of the diversity issues that people have with how white and Iowa and New Hampshire is. It takes the focus mm-hmm. off of just one or two states. So, uh, but but as we've learned in politics, usually the best ideas have a hard time getting through somehow. So we'll see if that's the <laughs> case here too. And we'll have plenty <laughs> more time to talk about it on a future episode of On Iowa Politics. That's week, That's it for this week's edition. Thanks to everyone for listening. We hope it was worth your time. If you like the show, subscribe and tell a friend, and you can send fan mail to oniowapolitics at gmail.com. And don't forget the work of everyone you heard today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, Sioux City Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and Cedar Rapids Gazette. Lee's got to stop buying papers, or that sign-off's going to take up half of the show.
0: <laughs> and, right. the wood buying, and the
1: woodbine and the woodbine twiner. <laughs> Imperfect will play us out this weekend. If you know a talented band or I musician who should be featured on our show, send us a sound file for Amy, Todd, and our producer Steve. And I'm Erin Murphy. Thanks again for listening.
0: Perfect. It started with the microphone in my right hand and walked into an new labor called Mike. Hand recordings, recording from Cedar Rapids IA. Inner city jump skip and I hop from the highway. That's where I stayed before the days of the flood, before the city was covered in muck and everybody's stuff. Littered the streets, I'm speaking literally. We had six feet of water in the kitchen at least. But that's enough on that subject, because it'll get me. And I don't think you want to see a grown man cry In the city of five seasons Even more
1: smells It ain't hard to tell People around here report am bored as hell Getting psyched for Saturdays When they're super fresh Small place, big dreams On
0: the road to success Mike and the crew The cause Collective Midwest indigenous MCs Respected From near to far here the art taking charge of the hip-hop scene So we can raise the bar. They're faking hard, we keep it really, really real. Acting
1: like you don't know. Catch my nippy little spiel, moving swiftly on your heels. But the fact is I'm laughing you, laughing Cause of your half stepping attitude, melodramatic clues. Who never had a clue? Chuckle with a bad excuse. But really, I ain't that amused. Get down with that MIC, H.A.N.D. Get down with that and D, Get down with that MIC, H.A.N.D. Throw your hands in the air and come along with me. Get down with
0: that MIC, H.A.N.D. Get down with that MIC, H.A.N.D. Get down with that MIC, H.A.N.D. Throw your hands in the air and sing along with me. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Cedar Rapids stands up. Hip hop right under your nose. Keep me on MySpace. I'm old school. I don't fuck with that Facebook shit. Peace out. Perfect.